All right, you can grab your seats. Cool. We're going to take communion. I'm going to do communion. Let's do this as quickly as we can. So, because uh, I want to give Kylie as much time to just release the glory and do whatever she wants to do. She, I'm not preaching this morning, but I am going to just close off last week. Um, for those that were here last week, I probably messed you all up, and I'm sorry. Not sorry also. Okay? Um, and so... There were a few questions that came out of it, and one of the things, obviously, that I love is I just want to communicate things really well, make sure people don't leave confused. Um, I've had it all before. People said, Liam, I heard you say this, and then I go, I'm sure I didn't say that. We've recorded our podcast. Can you go back and listen and let me know? And they're like, yeah, you're right. You didn't say that. And I'm like, ah, good. (laughs) And so, um, but the lens on which we look through is really important. I remember thinking for years, God kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden to punish them, and he didn't. He kicked them out to protect them. When we read, when we read Scripture, it says God removed Adam and Eve from the garden because if they had eaten of the tree of life, they would be forever in that state. So he removed them to protect them, not to punish them. And then he came up with a rescue mission, right? And so for those that weren't here last week, I just, I unpacked the, the atonement on the cross and I really posed the question, does sin need to be punished or forgiven? That was the question we went after. Is sin about punishment or is it about forgiveness? And what actually happened with Jesus on the cross and the Father and the wrath of God and how what that is, to, and I, I mentioned, I'm not going to recap, you, just, you have to listen to the podcast, I don't have time. <laughs> but the whole point was around that the wrath of God is real, it's a real thing, and I'm going to show you a couple more verses about that, so that just to make sure you guys that love the wrath of God can feel comfortable, okay? <laughs> um, but that the wrath of God was not being pummeled by God on Jesus, that Jesus was going to the cross to pave a way to create a new covenant for forgiveness of sin, to conquering the grave, conquering the devil, conquering sin, and getting the keys of the kingdom back. And we went through it, we went through all the shadows and types in the Old Testament, and we went through a a bunch of different scriptures. I don't have time to do that this morning. But if you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah 53. We're going to do, and we're going to do this with communion, all right? Isaiah 53, I'm going to try and do this in 10 minutes. For years, the wrath of God was talked about, people would preach, I preached it myself, where they'd say the wrath of God was poured out, all the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus at the cross, Everything that was, that was, you know, vengeful of God. And I'm not interested in trying to make God that is something that he's not. I want to see it in scripture. And so for me, I, I often, people have asked, they said, oh, this happened. I'm like, show me in scripture. And they're like, oh, I can't. So, okay. Or maybe we need to go back to the lens of which we're looking through and make sure we get this right. So I'm going to read a couple of scriptures to you and then we're going to read Isaiah 53. But listen to this. Romans 2 says, verse verse 4, Or do you presume 
on the riches of his kindness and forebodance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. But because of your hard and impatient heart, this is Romans, remember? So this is post the cross, okay? Just FYI. Um, hard and impatient heart, you are stir storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Well, if all the wrath of God got poured out in Jesus, then there's still some wrath to come. All right? Romans 5, listen to this. Romans 5, verse 6. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath. So the wrath of God is a real thing. It's, I'm, not, I'm not diminishing the wrath of God. It's to come. There's a judgment day where the goats and the sheep get separated. And those that stand before the Father who have Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, he's like, yeah, well, come on into the fold, right? And those that don't end up in eternity where God's not present and he's not real. And so I don't, I'm not diminishing hell or any of those things. But what I am saying is there is a big difference of what Jesus did on the cross which was he became victorious over sin, death, and the grave. And he says, I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. And the, the amount of people that I've preached this with and have seen this with, and they're like, what's the reason for, for, for this? What is the reason? I'll tell you the reason is this. It's biblical. That's one. And two, it turns us from being it gives us a really clear picture of God and it turns us from being sin conscious to victorious conscious. I'm not focusing on sin that will be punished over and over again. I've been, the sin has been forgiven as far as the east is from the west and I'm forgiven and God forgave sins. And Jesus paid, he took on the price of sin on the cross. He became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus to start a new covenant. Does that make sense? The new covenant began because the old covenant was sprinkled with blood and in order for a new covenant to be inaugurated, to be begin, there had to be a death. In order for the new covenant to begin, there had to be a death and the death was Jesus. Now, Isaiah 53 is a tricky verse. So, Let's go there, Isaiah 53. Are you there? Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Don't worry, you'll, you'll, I'll finish, and then Kylie will just release the glory, and you'll be all right, okay? <laughs> you'll, you'll be all right. You'll survive. Okay, so I'm going to read Isaiah 53, verse 5, out of the NIV, and then I'm going to read Isaiah 53, verse 5, out of the Lexington uh, Septuagint, which was the, so this is the Greek original, most closest original to the original translation that we have. We don't have the original original. Um, I wish we did, but we don't. But this is the closest to that that we have. Okay? So this is the, 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 the measuring stick of the closest that all theologians agree on and everyone's really comfortable with that. 
So Isaiah 53, and it probably says something similar in your Bible. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought the peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Now listen to the, to the Lexington. He became sick because of our sins. The pedagogy of our peace was upon him, and with his bruises we ourselves were healed. Okay, so that's the first one. Verse 8 of Isaiah 53, verse 8, in the, in the NIV, or in, probably in your translation, it says this, For the transgression of my people he was punished. So people say, there it is, Liam. That was the punishment of God. Listen to this in, in Lexington. By the transgression of my people he is plagued. So he was plagued by sin, right? Now go to verse 10. This is the, this is the real tricky verse. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. Now, I'm not interested in changing a Bible verse to try and fit it into a theology. That's not what I'm, I, that's, I don't, not, couldn't care about that. But we've got to be really careful we don't take one verse and make an entire theology around something that is in one verse. It has to, the, the Bible, like I said last week, the Bible does a really good job of defending itself, right? It, it's really good at defending itself. You don't need to try and fit something in. You just, maybe sometimes we need to have context and we need to have the lens right. But if the rest of the Bible is saying something completely different and there's one verse and we have to ask the question, is there context? Is there um, maybe something that's been written in that's wrong that we need to dig a little bit? Maybe we need to... To, to do something. Isaiah 53, up until the year 300, 200, 300, it said what I'm about to tell you. And then it got changed because of Calvin. Because of Calvinism, it changed. They changed a lot of Isaiah 53, okay? Because of Calvin was a lawyer and he had a legal mindset and his mindset was just in a certain way. I love what Calvin did some awesome stuff for the church. I'm not trying to, you know, but there was some things that changed. So I want you to read it again. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. Now I want you to read, this is what the Lexington says. And the Lord desires to purify him of the plague. That's not even close. That's very different. It's the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer as opposed to and the Lord desires to purify him of the plague. Wow. So, what did happen with the blood? Where's my communion sky? The girls took it. <laughs> what happened with the blood and the body? Right? Oh, thanks, mate. The blood was shed to inaugurate a new covenant. The blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins. Finally, Jesus hung on a cross and he was like, he, he was, 
Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. As we read it last week, 2 Corinthians 5, that God was in Christ and through Christ reconciling the world to himself. How did he do it? Not counting their trespasses against them. He was the lamb, the atonement lamb, where not just the sins for one year would be covered, that he said, I'm going to take away the sins of not just one person, not just for one time, but for all time. I'm going to do it, that I never have to go back to the cross again. I never have to return to that place. I'm going to take on the sins of humanity for all time. And then by his stripes, by his wounds, not only did we get the removal of sin and the, the, um, that we could become new creations in Christ and that God was in Christ forgiving sins. God's like, now I can forgive sins for all time because my son paid the price of sin, right? So they did this together. And then he said, what, what I'm going to do is he's, he's going to get whipped. And he's going to get punished. And he's going to take on the beating that he took on, not because of me, not because I'm doing that, but because they're doing that. And by his stripes, I want to I remove the plague from him. And by his stripes, you're healed. So let's take communion. <laughs> Yeah, Lord, we just thank you for your body and we thank you for your blood. That this is what we do. This is communion. This is communion of the body that was broken for us so that we might be healed and the blood that was shed that we might be forgiven. That whoever believes in you will not perish but have eternal life. God, I thank you this morning for anyone that is sick in their body. We just release healing grace, healing grace over them right now. Thank you that you forgave us of our sins. Thank you that you've forgiven us of all sins, of all unrighteousness. And that we would receive the free gift of grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I would encourage you, if you were like, you've, you've come in halfway through a story. If you, this, if you came in you know, this morning and this was your first time, I'd encourage you to, to listen to uh, last week's message. It'll give you way more clarity. Of, I, I did a real thorough teaching. And, um, and so, yeah, you're coming in halfway through a narrative this morning and, and closing that off. But I just wanted to make sure that, you know, those that... Um, I, it's in scripture, I understand the wrath of God's in there. The wrath of God is to come. There is a day of judgment. There is, uh, you know, that final day that will happen. So I'm not throwing that out there, but um, I think the shadows and types that we went through last week really explained clearly what Jesus did on the cross. And, and if you disagree, it's actually totally okay. So that's fine as well. So people, uh, Someone said to me... Um, we have to be careful that we, when we've preached righteousness and we've preached grace, 
and we've preached stuff like this. Um, I've preached righteousness and identity and the new creation in Christ in a lot of churches and I always ask and I always make sure I'm allowed to do it. And I had one pastor and he said, Liam, what you're doing is I'm afraid because I see it in scripture and I can see what you're saying is true. But I feel like when you do that, you're giving people permission to sin and get away with it. And I'm like, I just start crying. I'm like, no, I'm giving them the reason to be free. <laughs> I don't walk out my front door and think, how can I have, how can I not have an affair today with my wife? With the, you know, I'm like, I'm thinking about how I can have an awesome relationship with my wife. I'm grace conscious because I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm no longer sin conscious because I've, because of the revelation of the cross. And I will never water down the gospel. So, all right. Good? Amen.